everyone. Welcome back to Relax with Animal Facts. I am Steph Wolf, and today I am going to be learning with you about our furry, scaly, or possibly even slimy friends. And in today's case, it is definitely going to be a feathery friend of ours because we are covering the oh so wonderful bearded vulture. This is a very special listener episode dedicated to Leah Logan, Marta, Marioline, Poppy, Claire, and Carol. I hope you enjoy your very own episode. If you would like more Relax with Animal Facts, including exclusive episodes, intro-free episodes, you can go to patreon.com slash relaxwithanimalfacts, or just click the Patreon link in the description. We learned about the phoenix this week and the extinct creature, the great auk, last week. You can help support the show while getting more of it. And one last shout-out to George Vlad whose audio work makes it possible for all of us to do these adventures together, and so I encourage you to go check out his channel in the description. And now, let us begin to wind down a little bit. If you are listening for the first time, I welcome you with open arms to our animal podcast family. I'm so grateful that you're here, along with the rest of the other listeners. If you are a returning listener, you know exactly what I am going to be asking of you. I have three primary exhortations for you before we begin our adventure. The first is that you put on a pair of running shoes. We are definitely going to be needing those for where we are going today. And my second encouragement to you is perhaps the most important. It is to realize where you are carrying some tension. Is it in the head, in the neck, in the legs? Everybody here is different. It's even possible you don't know where you carry tension. If that's the case, you can start from the bottom of your feet in your mind and just work your way up all the way to the top of the head, relaxing as you go. The reason we do this is that it is difficult to relax when we are stiff as a board. And we definitely don't want to be stiff as a board when we meet the bearded vulture. Bring up in your mind some jello. You can choose a flavor or color that you like and do your best to imitate it. Jello doesn't have tension, and that is what we aspire to. My third exhortation to you is to give your mind permission to wander and journey with me as we go onto a South African mountain range where the bearded vulture resides. an absolutely beautiful landscape. For me personally, I find mountain ranges to be some of the most conducive to awe and inspiration. It instills in me that sense of bigness, if that's a word. It gives me that kind of visceral reaction, that one that I can't replicate if I was to try or I couldn't even describe. Ancient peoples described this feeling as coming from the very stomach. 
as if those feelings were being drawn from the very inward parts of us. But we are here to admire more than just the mountain range, we're looking for the bearded vulture. That is its common name. Its scientific name is Gepidus barbatus. Both of those words come from Latin, and the first word means vulture eagle, while the latter means bearded. What we learn then from their scientific name is that this creature is a bearded vulture eagle, which is an apt description to be sure. This bird is special because they are the only member of their genus. They also have another nickname, which is Lammergeier, a German word that means lamb vulture, and they are also known as the Homa bird in Iran and Northwest Asia, or the Huma bird. Most vultures have no feathers on their heads, but the bearded vulture does. They don't look like your typical vulture, but looks can be deceiving, as this creature eats almost exclusively bone. Around 70 to 90% of their diet is just animal bones, but we'll get more into their diet in just a moment. We could have been in a couple of different places today. This vulture inhabits mountainous regions from Central Asia, reaching all the way to Eastern Africa and Spain. The upper portion of their body is brown, while the lower portion is more of a tawny, sandy color. They have spots on their chests and black and white stripes that line their head. Let us not forget that this is the bearded vulture after all, and it has long bristles on their chin, or whatever the bird version of a chin is. It looks like a perfect bird of prey, with feathered face and legs, a curved beak, strong prehensile feet, and long curved claws. When we learn that a creature has strong prehensile feet, that means they are able to grip quite strongly with their feet. There are monkeys with prehensile tails. That word prehensile harks back to the Latin times, in which one doesn't grab a cup, but one prehendits it. And so the word simply refers to grasping or grabbing. Now, just because they have a featherless head doesn't mean that they don't look like a vulture. With those long, narrow wings and their wedge-shaped tail, you can tell right away that this creature feeds on carrion. Bearded vultures are pretty sedentary. They typically sit around all year, occupying an enormous territory and choosing to never migrate because they don't need to. They're typically solitary birds outside of breeding season, but there will be times in which they live in pairs. During the daytime, they will just be soaring up in the air for many hours, looking for carcasses or even live prey. They will do their foraging over two square kilometers every single day. One of the reasons why it is great for the bearded vulture to live in this mountainous region is because there are heights here that reach as tall as 80 meters or 260 feet. The reason this matters is because bones, particularly, can drop onto flat rocks below off of those huge cliff sides. And of course, anything dropped from such a height is prone to breaking. When bones fall from such a height, the bearded vulture gets instant access to the marrow, the extremely nutritious part inside. 
and this diet or eating behavior is what solidifies them as a scavenger. Scavenger, the word we use for vultures and many other creatures that feed mostly on carcasses and dead animals, originally referred to a person whose job it was to clean refuse from the streets. When streets were dirty with garbage, they would go around collecting it and disposing of it properly. And so we can look at the bearded vulture, in a way, as being the cleaners of the mountain range. Unfortunately for them, not every bone that they indulge in will be dropped from such enormous heights to give them easy access. But their beaks are their secret weapon to crack open the bones anyway. They will equip themselves with those bones in their beaks and hammer them directly onto rocks. If a bone is too big for them to break, they will instead become the cliff. They will fly up high into the sky with those big bones and then drop them from such heights as will break them. That kind of ingenuity or understanding shows them to be pretty smart birds. And when we use the word carrion, we are just referring to the corpse of an animal. The favorite of a bearded vulture among carrion are the limbs of sheep and other small mammals that they will carry to their nest. This is one thing that also separates them from the majority of other vultures. They do not feed their young with regurgitation, but instead they carry the food to the nest and allow the babies to peck. Sometimes their favorites are not on the menu, and so they will look for other mammals, other birds, and even reptiles. They don't seem to much enjoy meat, and in comparison to bone marrow, their favorite snack, they kind of disdain it. But sometimes animals will just make do with what they have, and the bearded vulture will attack live prey if they choose to. One specific creature that is vulnerable to the bearded vulture's tactics is a tortoise. They will pick up a tortoise that they are able to carry, fly it to a height, and drop them onto rocks so that their shell cracks. Tortoises are notoriously resilient, being able to resist all kinds of assaults from mammals, but unless the creature has wings, a drop of more than 100 meters is sure to do the job. They have even been known to attack some larger animals that you'd think they wouldn't. Animals like ibex, goats, and steenboks, which are a kind of antelope. Sometimes the attack by the bearded vulture will result in them falling off of rocky cliffs, giving bearded vultures their meal. Their diet requires some specialized digestion, and they have some stomach acid to back that up. Acidity is measured by pH. 7 is considered to be neutral. This is the average pH of something like water. The lower a liquid is on the pH scale, the more acidic it is. Me and you have stomach acid pH levels of from between 1.5 to 2, but these vultures have a stomach acid pH that is closer to 1. This gives them an extremely powerful stomach acid that allows for the breakdown of many things that we couldn't eat on a regular basis. When sometimes more than 90% of your diet is bones, you need some strong stomach acid. The wingspan of this bird is almost 3 meters, about 10 feet, and that enormous wingspan allows it to ride the wind easily. They can stay up in the air for hours, just kind of cruising along. 
If the bearded vulture was to be given a bath, it would look a little bit different than what it looks like right now. It has that kind of reddish, fiery appearance, and that is because they rub iron-rich soil into their feathers. Their beautiful white coats around their chest and neck become a rusty red color. Researchers are actually not sure why they do this. It seems to be an instinctive behavior rather than a learned one, and some have postulated that it can advertise strength. It acts like a status symbol among other members of the same species. Who wants to mess with a bird with a bright orange appearance? But other researchers disagree, saying that it is not purely a cosmetic decision, but the iron dioxide present within the iron-rich soil could help kill bacteria on their feathers. It is also possible that both might be the case, but as always, let me present a third option. They think it's fun. That is my extremely nuanced, empirical, and scientifically rigorous opinion. The bearded vulture is a very culturally significant one, as there are legends all around about them. Some reach as far back as 500 BC and maybe even earlier. Many considered this creature to be a force for positivity, but for some it was a dreaded bird. But in ancient Persia, for example, it bestows kinship on those it flies over. Or take, for example, in Ottoman poetry, where they are described as staying afloat in the air for their entire life. Some traditions go in a more spiritual direction, claiming them as symbols of enlightenment and good fortune. And it makes sense that they would be a symbol of kinship because bearded vultures form very strong pair bonds. They are monogamous, meaning that they will have one partner for their whole life, but it is worth mentioning that sometimes they exhibit a more polyandrous mating system. This is a system in which one female has more than one male partner, but the territorial and courtship rituals between different bearded vultures is pretty awesome. They show their sharp talons, they spiral in flight, they tumble around, Sometimes they will even lock their feet with one another and fall some distance through the sky. When pairs are finally decided, they will nest in ledges and rocky outcrops, maybe steep rock walls, and the female will finally lay a clutch of between one to two, sometimes three eggs. After roughly about two months, the eggs will hatch and the baby birds will have to rely on their parents for food, for protection, and warmth. It can take some time for these creatures to become fully independent. They will fly the nest, as it were, at about two years of age, but it will take them five to reach full maturity. And now let's move on to the name of the creature. Where does it come from or what does it mean? We can trace this word back to the 14th century and it comes from the Anglo-French word Voltaire. It comes from Latin Walter or even from the Latin word Wellere to pluck or to tear. Given how vultures eat, this really makes sense. And now let us move on to the dad joke. Check this out. Why don't vultures fly by plane very often? Because they are only allowed one carry-on. Carry-on. That one just sends shivers down your spine, doesn't it? 
I think maybe even those dads that wear those golf polos tucked into khaki pants might write me saying that that dad joke was too much. But let us move on to the review of the episode. This review is coming from Carolyn McNeely, who is writing all the way from Canada, and Carolyn writes, I pretty much just really like this show and wanted to do a review randomly. It's definitely a 6 out of 6. It's just a great podcast. It's probably weird to do this here, unless people usually do this here, which I doubt is happening, but I'd like to suggest a deep sea creature, maybe a dragonfish. Simon, age 8. Oh, so this was written actually by Simon, who rated it a 6 out of 6. That is the first 6 out of 6 rating I think we have gotten. We got a 5.98, we got a 5.5, I believe, and so a big round of applause to Simon and to Carolyn, because the rating doesn't even have a decimal point. I was expecting a 5.73, maybe a 5.82, but a 6 out of 6. And that is also a great suggestion. I suggest, Simon, if you are listening to the episode now, that you also submit it through the website. It makes sure I don't forget your request. It really helps me keep track of episodes so I don't lose a shout-out. If the show helps you at all, leaving a review is one of the biggest things that you can do. So I encourage you to go leave a review, but only if you're rating it out of 6, and I will definitely get around to reading it on the show. To request an animal and get your very own episode, you can do so by going to relaxwithanimalfacts.com and going to the Submit and Animal Request tabs. If you would like to reach out to me, Steph Wolf, for any other reason, you can do so by sending an email to relaxwithanimalfacts at gmail.com or by going to the Instagram relaxwithanimalfacts and sending a message there. To support the show's mission in helping you relax and learn about animals, you can go to patreon.com slash relaxwithanimalfacts or just click the Patreon link in the description. It is commitment-free, you can do a free trial, and if you do decide to stay on Patreon, you can get four new episodes a month for just a dollar a month. A huge shout-out to George Vlad for the ambiances used in today's episode, his work is linked in the description, and you should check him out. The facts in this episode came from factanimal.com, animalia.bio, peregrinefund.org, britannica.com, and etimonline.com. What an amazing creature we have learned about today. The bearded vulture, unique among vultures, unique among many animals. A creature that is marked by their ingenuity in their way of hunting and extremely well equipped for everything that they do. I don't think vultures get enough love and this episode is a way of giving them more. I am so grateful that you have decided to join me today on this adventure and I look forward to our next one with the next animal. Take care.